0: Well, church, I'm fired up today about a new series that we are calling Everyday Mission. Did you know that missions is very important to Crossroad Church? We are very passionate about missions. We want to be people who are taking the gospel everywhere we go. And you can see that we are serious about missions when you look at our church from a variety of angles. First, from our finances. Did you know that 10% of undesignated giving to our church is immediately set aside for mission work. Now let me just also say that that other 90% we believe is mission work as well. Every kingdom dollar you give to this church is a kingdom dollar. We want to spend everything we spend as a church for the sake of the gospel. We believe that and we're serious about that. But we set aside 10% that immediately goes beyond these doors and these walls and goes to other missionaries and organizations that are taking the gospel to our city, to our nation, and yes, even the world. We are very serious about that. And we want to put our money where our mouth is. We're serious about missions. But we don't just give. We're also serious about missions when you look at our activities. Just a few weeks ago, we had a week where we had two major mission initiatives. Not only do we do big things like that, though, there are times where we intentionally have programs and processes going on that you may or may not know about. In fact, tomorrow, there will be a group of our leaders going over to a local elementary school and helping them put on a back-to-school night and celebrate their kids and parents in a school that really needs our help. And we're excited to be able to do that. And there are things like that happen. All the time. You can tell we're serious about missions through our activities, but I think the way that we are most serious about missions as a church family is this the way that we intentionally encourage equip and send hundreds of missionaries out into Wichita and our surrounding communities each and every week in case you haven't picked up on it. I'm talking about you. Every single one of us is a missionary. If you are a Christ follower, you are called to be taking the gospel with you into your workplace, into your neighborhoods, and yes, even to the very ends of the earth. You have been called by Jesus to tell the world about Jesus. And I believe that God wants to use you to do incredible things. Now, I don't want to concern you today. I'm not saying that God is calling you to move your family to Africa. He might, all right? I'm not going to tell you He won't. But here's the reality. I believe that God has given you a specific skill set, a specific job, a specific hobby, a specific life situation. And I believe that God has creatively shaped you. Yes, you. Every single you in here. God has shaped you and created you and prepared you to be on mission for him right where you are at today. God wants to use you for his mission. We had a that week that I told you we did two big mission events in a week. uh, We called that Summer on Mission. And I I don't know whose idea it was to name it that. It was mine. Uh, But when we were doing that, I remember thinking to myself later, That kind of makes it sound like, hey guys, we're going to do missions for a week, (laughs) right? like, hey, check it out. At Crossroads, we're real serious about missions this one week of the summer. But I wanted to remind us through this series that every day, every moment of your life, you are a missionary that God has called, gifted, shaped, and equipped to go out and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You are the primary way that this church will reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. It's us taking this mission seriously, going outside of these walls, and doing it. And I believe God's going to call us today and show us how we can begin to work on that together. So are you excited today? All right, praise God. Let's open the word, Matthew 25. I'm excited to read the Bible because every time we do, God molds us and shapes us and makes us who he wants us to be. So we're in Matthew 25. We're going to start in verse 14. In the first service, I got so excited about preaching that I got to this point and had not told anybody the passage. So... It was the awkward moment where I'm like, open your Bibles. Let me find something to talk about for a minute while you're going there. And then we just sat in awkward silence. But you're there, and I didn't even have to tell you that. So uh, there you go. Hashtag communication skills. Verse 14, you ready? The word of the Lord. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is serious, isn't it, church? Very concerning and sobering passage that we find here. If you have a church background, you're probably familiar with this parable. But what's interesting to me is, I don't know that it's often talked about in context of Matthew 25. I think we jump right here and start talking about stewardship, which is where we're headed, by the way. But this is in the middle of a passage where Jesus is heading toward the cross. The cross is in full view, and he is talking to his disciples about the end times. He's talking about the day that is coming where he will come again and set all things right in this world. And every one of the parables around this parable are reminding them and calling the people to make sure that we make good use of the time. The time in this world is very, very short. Are you aware of this today? That our time here on this earth is a blip on the radar screen of eternity. How many of you, if you are honest today, are spending your life on things that do not matter in eternity? In fact, let's say it this way. We invest our lives and spend our lives today on things that won't even matter a hundred years from now. And if I were to be honest with you, I would say that I can look back at markers in my life and realize that I've invested my life in things that didn't matter 10 years from now. Students starting school, I remember when I was in high school, of course, you know, extremely athletic and handsome. Okay, appreciate the laughter. Uh, wow, every time. So very. I, I remember not being athletic, but desiring to be, and I went to a little bitty school in Southeast Texas. They don't tell you no. It's just like, oh, you breathe? Come on, you're on the team, right? I played everything, and I wanted to be good at everything. I invested so much time, so much energy, so much passion, so much of everything that I had in high school and being good at sports. And let me just tell you, it wasn't until like even six months after high school that I I was like, that was kind of dumb. Now, listen, I'm not trying to bash your sports. All right. Play sports, do extracurricular activities, do it with excellence, try hard, but you need to have it in its proper place because there's going to come a day where it doesn't really matter anymore. And you need to know that now adults are like, yeah, kids, adults, what are you investing in today? That isn't going to matter in 10 years. What are you investing in today that in the scale of eternity, a hundred years from now, won't even matter? What are we doing to advance the kingdom of God with what we have today? Jesus says the time is short, so we need to be mindful about how we're using what he's given us to advance the gospel. So there's this sense of don't wait, the sense that the time is short. It's evident in all of these stories, especially this one that we come to here, often known and called the parable of the talents. There's a man who's going away for a season. In fact, it says he was gone a long time. We don't know what, how long, but it was a long time. So he entrusts his servants with some of his money. Now, uh, the, the talent is not something that we use today. A talent was somewhere around 75 pounds of precious metals. And that 75 pounds of precious metals, most scholars agree, was somewhere around 20 years worth of common workers wages. So a talent was a pretty good chunk of change, wasn't it? And, and this first guy got five talents. So, I mean, it's like a dump truck of talents, right? There's like a, a lot of things happening there. He gets a lot of stuff to be entrusted over. And then the second guy gets two talents. And then the last guy gets one. Now, notice what Jesus says. Jesus said, the master gave to them according to their ability. Can I just tell you right now, it's it's a fool's errand to spend your life comparing your gifts, talents, skills, position in life to other people. Can I tell you, God has given you exactly what you need right now to accomplish what he's called you to do. So anyways, this is what it happens. He gives five talents to this person, two talents to this person, one talent to this person. Goes away for the Bible, says a long time. He comes back, and when he gets back, he says, all right, time to settle up. Where's my money? Good question, right? Where's my money at? So the first guy comes back and he has five talents and says, hey, I doubled it. Now you have ten talents. That guy's pretty good. If you're looking for somewhere to invest, that's your guy. Am I right? So he doubled the money. The second guy comes up and he says, "Ah, you gave me two. Here's four. Again, I doubled it. And both of those guys, the master says this, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been good with a little. Now I will entrust to you an abundance. And then there's this last guy. The last guy comes and he goes, hey, listen, I mean, you only gave me one talent because you know I'm an idiot. All right. I added that. But, you know, you only gave me one. Because I, And I was scared. I was afraid I was going to blow it. So here's what I do. Because I know you're a hard man. I know you're real serious about your money. I went and I dug a hole and I put it in the ground. Remember, that's 75 pounds of precious. Now, I think most of the time when I was studying this week, I think I've imagined it. Like he just like took a little hole and buried it. No, this was a serious undertaking. He had to take a wheelbarrow. I don't know if they had those then. And take it out there and like dig a big old hole and bury this treasure out somewhere. So he brings it back, and I almost imagine it. Again, this is just a parable and a story, but in the story, you can almost imagine the dirty gold, silver, and precious jewels and stuff that is in this talent. You can just imagine the dirt all mixed in it. And he's like, Listen, I knew you were serious about your money, so I put it in the ground so I wouldn't lose any of it because I was too scared. Of it. And the master said, What? You lazy and wicked servant. And he takes the talent from him and gives the talent. To the one who had ten The Bible says that he was cast out Into the outer darkness This is a little bit disturbing, isn't it? it Maybe not to you But this disturbs me I'll be honest, I'm a pretty conservative guy Did you see the market this week, right? Like, I think I'm, I'm digging a hole in my backyard right now Okay but, but this guy Tries to play it safe And because he tries to play it safe The master says, you are a wicked and lazy servant. Let me just tell you, this isn't saying anything about investing your money and how you make money. What Jesus is doing here is talking to us about stewardship. He's talking to us about stewardship. It's important for us to understand that in the midst of this, Jesus wants to remind us that everything we have belongs to him. Two truths that I want us to see that are very simple, very basic. This is the first one. Everything we have belongs to God. We've been talking about stewardship for a few weeks. Uh, if you're tired of it, I'm sorry it's in the Bible a lot, okay? But everything we have belongs to God. These servants were entrusted with this money, these talents. So you and I have been entrusted with gifts from our Father, with many blessings, James 1:16 and 17. I hope you're almost starting to memorize this by this point. It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. Everything you have, every good gift in your life comes from the Lord. And this is one of those things that I think we kind of know. Like, yeah, every good thing comes from God. And we like to talk about the blessings of God and all the things that God has blessed us and given us. But do we realize that all of those things actually belong to him? That all of these blessings are actually his and they have been given to us on loan from God. Now, again, this comes up a lot when we talk about money and rightfully so. We say that every dime of ours is God's money. That's something you've heard me say before, and it's something we constantly teach. I have a reputation for being cheap. It is an earned reputation, alright? Especially when it comes to the church's money. Because I want to be so careful with how we spend God's money. But this principle means that whether I'm using the church card or whether I'm using my personal card, every dime of it belongs to God. Now, let me just say something. Some of you right now, that's enough to just go, right? And it challenges us. and makes us stop and think. But here's what gets even crazier. This is, this goes way beyond just our money. In God's economy, it all belongs to him. Every aspect of your life, your family, belongs to God. Your career belongs to God. Your home, your car, your stuff belongs to God. Your everything belongs to Him. And He has entrusted those things to you. Yes, blessed you with those things, but the question becomes, how are you putting what God has entrusted to you to use? Are you putting God's blessings into circulation for the good of his kingdom? Or are you hiding it in a field in a hole in the ground? Here's a big problem that I think a lot of Christians struggle with. Let's go to this next slide here. We have a life where uh, that's you in the middle, all right? So it says me, but that me is you, you know what I'm saying? So this is you, and we've got a lot of important things in our lives, right? Uh, our family's important to us, our work's important to us, we've got hobbies, sports, money, school, there's all kinds of good things up there. But notice up there in the top left, God is a part of our lives, yes and amen, right? In fact, some of you would say, God is the biggest part of my life. But here's what I want to tell you today and what I want you to understand. God is not interested in being a part of your life. God doesn't want to just be one among many others. God wants to be your everything. And when God is your everything, it radically reorients your life. It gets you off of the throne of your heart and puts God where He rightfully should be. And when God is at the center of your life, everything else changes. Let's go to this next slide. When God is at the center of your life, guess what? The way you go to school changes. When God is at the center of your life, the way you go to work changes. The way you raise your family changes. The way you spend your money changes. The way you play sports and do your hobbies and go to school All these things change when God is at the center of your life Some of us today need to have an honest conversation with the Lord Need to answer the question who's on the throne of your heart today Does your life look like that first slide or the second slide? When God is at the center of who we are, it changes the way everything else works in our life. If we're gonna live a missional life, if we are going to be on mission every day, it starts with realizing that He wants all of us. He wants everything that we are. Every part of our life belongs to Him. Because again, as Matthew 25 in context has warned us, the time is short. We don't have time to mess around. Our lives should be spent for the glory of God. Spending our life, our talents on what is important. That's our second truth is that we are accountable for how we spend our lives. We will be accountable for how we spend our lives. How are we spending our lives? There's a day coming, spoiler alert, that you will stand before God Almighty and on that day you will hear one of two things. You will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or you will hear, you wicked and slothful servant. Why didn't you use everything I gave you to advance the gospel? And can I just tell you, that question is going to have nothing to do with your church attendance. That question is going to have nothing to do with how good you think you were. It's all going to come down to this. Did you use everything that God gave you to advance his kingdom? Did we use everything in our lives to tell people about Jesus? Were we good stewards of what we've been given? Did we harness every gift, every blessing, everything that is within us to advance the kingdom of God and tell others about him? I don't know about you, but I'm guessing based on the quietness of the room today that that you're as convicted and challenged as I am when we talk about this. This is a sobering passage for us, but it's way too serious for us to avoid this conversation this morning. Are you burying your gifts? Are you burying your family Are you putting God's blessings in the ground? Are you hoarding them or are you putting them into circulation for the kingdom of God? God's gifts are meant to be put into circulation. Your life is meant to be spent for his kingdom. Are you using your family, your career, your friendships, your influence for God's glory? Anything else is the equivalent of taking them out in the field and burying them. When I was in my early 20s, still, again, super athletic. Again, thanks for the laughter. I was a worship leader at a church and I uh, loved playing music. I was trying to do that a lot more than I was doing anything else. I was playing several nights a week for church and ministry things, a few other nights a week in other settings trying to, to make it and be a big deal. As you can tell, it worked out, uh, but I was working on it and I really had this like $300 guitar that I bought when I was 15 and I'd been riding with that thing for seven or eight years and I really desired to get a nicer guitar. Now, here's what is awesome about uh, being in your young 20s and single. I was rich. Listen, if you're in this room, uh, it doesn't matter. I, like, I, I don't I don't care how much money you make. You got a lot of money because then you get married and you have less money. Then you have kids and you have less money, right? Uh, and, and first service, I got in trouble. And I'm not going to say anything that you can report to Mallory to get me in trouble this service, all right? But I started saving away for money because I wanted a guitar. I would go into the guitar store and I would walk into a guitar room that had humidity control to keep the guitars at the perfect humidity. And I found a guitar that I wanted so bad. It was the Taylor 414CE. Yes, I'm nerdy enough that I told you the exact model number of the guitar I wanted. It's such a nice guitar, and it really is like the ultimate guitar for contemporary Christian music. If you play a chord on it, somewhere in the distance, Chris Tomlin starts singing, all right? It's just that kind of guitar, all right? So I decided I'm going to start saving up my money to get this guitar. So I started a savings program that I want to introduce some of our young adults and kids to today, okay? It's called a coffee can. All right. So I got a coffee can and I hid it somewhere where I wouldn't be spending the money out of it. And every little bit of extra money I got, I was putting it into that coffee can and I was working so hard. I took little side gigs that I could get everything I could do. And I'm putting this money in this thing and I'm trying to save it and save it. All of my friends know about it. And, and I've got this coffee can. And finally, one day I got the amount of money that I needed to go. So I walk into the store. I'm so excited about it. Uh, they looked at me weird when I opened up a coffee. Can and dumped a couple grand in cash and small bills out on the table. It was like, I want to buy a guitar. And they said, uh, we actually don't have that in stock anymore. I wept. No, I didn't. Uh, They said, but we can order one. And if we order one, it'll come in a box. I won't even open it. You'll be the first one to ever play it. I was like, that's awesome. Order it. Took way too long to get here because, you know, we're like an instant society. And that was even before Amazon Prime. So, but still, I was anxious. Finally, it shows up and I got this guitar and I was so excited to finally get this guitar. But something happened. It was so, 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 so nice that I was kind of scared to play it. I would get it out once a week for the Sunday morning worship service and I would kind of just very gingerly carry it out. I was not as passionate moving around the stage very much because I wanted that guitar to stay fine. I was afraid the buttons would scratch the back of it so I'm like leaning forward. I'm like, you know, people are like, what is he doing? I wanted this guitar to be okay. And again, I'm playing probably five or six nights a week. I'm playing music in a venue somewhere but I'm still using my $300 tacomini because I don't want to mess up the tailor. And I remember getting to a point where I realized I worked hard. I spent all this money I invested so that I could have this nice guitar. So I'll never forget the first time that I said, you know what, I'm playing it. I took it to this place where we worked with at-risk students who were serving court-ordered community service. They really thought it was cool to see a, a guy playing the guitar. Not really. But walked in, and one of my buddies was there, and they were like, is that the Taylor?" I was like, yeah, it is. And I got it out and started. And hey, some of you are like this when you get a new pair of shoes, you know how you're real careful at first, but then you step in the mud once and it's over, right? Eventually it got some nicks, it got some scratches, and I started playing it all the time. I was thinking about that as I was working on this message this week, because here's what I think happens to us. I believe that you and I have been literally crafted by God, individually gifted, equipped, and called and given everything we need to do great things for His glory. But the reality is many of us are leaving our lives in the case. We're too afraid of what might happen. We're too afraid of past experiences. We don't know what's going to happen in our lives and we never make, if you will, the music that God has created us to make. We never enter into what God wants us to do because we're too busy holding back. And God is saying to you today, I created you to be used. I created your life to be spent for my kingdom. It's so easy for us to just bury our lives in the ground. To just hide because we're afraid of what's going to happen. We don't want to get scars. We don't want to get dinged up. But can I tell you something? We think we're doing the right thing, but I don't want to stand before God one day and say, I was super careful, Lord. And the Lord say, you wicked and lazy servant. I want to do what God calls me to do. I want to get out there and I want to use everything He's given me. My family, my home, my house, my cars, my money, my everything. I want to use what He has given me to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. What would that look like for you? The call this morning is to evaluate your life. Some of us need to get the shovel out and start taking the talent out of the ground. We need to take the blessings that God has given us, stop hoarding them for ourselves, and put it in circulation. And I believe when we do, we're going to see God do incredible things. Some of you are missing out on the blessing of God because you're not using them the way they were intended. God has given you those things so that we can put everything we have to be all in, to put everything in the middle of the table and say, God, what do you want with my life? Who do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? I'm yours. Let's go. Can I tell you that kind of life? Is a life that is ready to change things for the glory of God That type of family is a family that stands ready to transform their neighborhood That type of church is a church that can literally change the world for the glory of God But we've got to be a people who say, we're ready We're ready God is looking for a group of missionaries Who will recognize that everything we have belongs to Him that will take all the gifts He's given us and use them for His purposes. And when we do that, I believe we're going to see the everyday mission that God's called us to. I want to give you a real practical starting point before we go. Y'all doing okay this morning? Can we all take a breath real quick? You know God gave you that breath. Okay. He did, and He's good to us, isn't He? You know He loves you. This sound, This is a confrontational message, Okay. But did you know that in God's economy, a confrontation is really his love and his grace? Because he's saying you're missing out on the good life because you're trying to live the good life. Instead, come back and let him transform you. So I want to get real practical with you real quick. I want to call this the everyday mission starting point or the missional starting point. If you didn't get a study guide, I encourage you to grab one. Today's study guide is is pretty much just this, but I wanted us to really be thinking about this. This is homework for you to do and think about. What does it mean to live a missional life? Very practical place for you to start and think through this and start living on mission for him. The first thing, the question we need to ask ourselves is this. What am I good at? What am I good at? What is it that God has equipped me to do? And some of you are already thinking like, well, I don't know. I'm not a speaker. I don't do music. No, I'm asking on a very practical level, what is it that you are good at? Some of you are great working with your hands and building things. Some of you are artists who are great at creating things. Some of you are really good at having one-on-one conversations. Some of you are really great with people. Some of you not so much. Some of you are great administrators and working behind the scenes to make things run smooth. The question is, what are you good at? Question number two is this. How can God use what I'm good at for his glory? Think about how can God use this skill, the skill that you have, the talents you have? God has given those to you. How can you use those for his glory? Third thing's important. Pray about how to do it. Pray about how to do it. Some of you already are thinking, well, you know, I'm good at this, but I don't really know what the Lord. Pray about it. Say, Lord, what can I do? How can I harness the natural gifts and abilities that you've given me to do great things for your kingdom? Ask him, Lord, how do I do that? And the fourth thing is important. Ask for affirmation and help from your church family. This is huge, and it's an important one. I always use this very absurd, extreme example, so excuse me for going here, but I'm going here, all right? If a young man in his 20s approached me and said, Pastor Rusty, I've really been thinking about it. I'm going to start a ministry that reaches out to strippers in Wichita. Can I tell you what I'm probably going to say to a 20-year-old young man? "Uh, Maybe not a great idea. Maybe not a great idea. But if a 60-year-old woman came to me and said, Rusty, God has given me a heart to reach the sex workers in our city and in our state and in our country. Can I tell you what? I'm going to say, what can we do to help you? What can we do to help you? So simple. Now, some of you are like, well, you went really extreme. Yeah, I did. I can go even simpler, though. Some of you are going to be like, the Lord's called me to be on the praise team. All right, godly friends in the room. Some of you need to say, maybe he hadn't given you that gift. (laughs) Don't look at them. If they're sitting by you, don't look at them. All right. But listen, I believe that God has given us the body, the church family to help us say, hey, God's given me a heart for this. What do you think about that? And I think that we can be here not only for affirmation to say, yeah, I see that. And I believe God's put that in your heart, but also to help. We want to be here to help each other. If you had a heart for the kids in your neighborhood, if you went to your life group and, and you said, hey, w- what do y'all think about helping me reach the kids? Maybe we can do a backyard Bible club once a month or so. And your, your life group says, yeah, how can we help? And they dive in and we begin to do things together for the kingdom of God. Ask for help and affirmation from your church family. And finally, this is probably the most important one. Do it. Do it. How many messages have you heard that got you fired up? How many times have you had the feeling that you're having right now, but never did a dadgum thing? Today, Jesus would say, take the talent out of the ground and put it in circulation. Put it in circulation. Let me give you a real practical example of how I've seen this self work it out. Because I know some of you are thinking, well, he's trying to get new ministry workers for the church. Let me just tell you that it really goes beyond that. And some of you are thinking, well I don 't have any of those type of skills. I had a buddy who we talked through this one time, and he said, "You know uh, i 'm trying to think of what i 'm good at, and I don 't really know a whole lot of things." And he said, "You know uh, I think I 'm funny. Like, I think God 's made me funny. I love talking to people. I like making people laugh, but I don 't know how God 's going to use that." So a couple weeks later, I was in a staff meeting, and we were talking about an event that we were doing, a fundraiser to raise money for a mission trip. And we were doing kind of a coffee house type of deal and had live music going on. But we really needed something between the acts while people were changing the stuff on stage. So I called my buddy Evan. and I said, hey, do you remember you told me that God made you funny? And he was like, I don't like where this is going, right? None of you like that call from the pastor. You don't think that, that Bob and I are on to you, all right? We know you see our name on the caller ID and you're like, Lord, help me, right? I said, hey, what if you did the MCing that night and you did some comedy in between those things? And you know what? That's a little first step, but that guy still to this day, a little while back they did one, and he still is the MC for those and was able to use the way God's gifted him to serve in a simple way. But that opened the door for him to say yes to other opportunities that God has given him. And it's a pretty cool thing to see how that works. So here's what I want you to understand today. I'm not trying to generate more workers for our church. I'm trying to release you to go out and be the missionaries God calls you to be. I'm not talking about starting another billion ministries and programs here at Crossroad. We're thankful for the ones we have, and we do want to equip them and do what we can. But we want you to go outside the walls of this church and take the gospel with you, and we want to equip you and send you and give you what you need to do that. So this is a homework assignment for you, right? This isn't something like where we have a prayer time. We're going to sing the song 27 times until you come up here and fill out a piece of paper. This is all right, I'll do something, right? That's not what we're doing. What I want you to do is go home. I want you to write these down, grab a study guide. And I want you to sit down as an individual, as a couple, as a family and say, Lord, what do you want us to do? And this is literally a starting point for you. To start thinking about what it means to live a missional life. And I believe that as we do this, God's going to begin to change us. I made a video and put it on Facebook yesterday and said that I thought this was probably the most important message that I've preached as your pastor. And a couple people saying, I don't, you know, I don't know how you're going to top this one or that one. I was like, I didn't say the best message. <laughs> all right. In fact, it may not be a great message at all, but I said it's an important message. Because this sounds pretty radical, doesn't it? But can I tell you what this is? This is Christianity 101. This is what it means to follow Jesus. To surrender everything and say, Lord, here's what you've given me. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for a very clear and direct challenge. God, thank you for not just saving us from an eternity in hell, but saving us to a relationship with you, but also to your glorious mission. And you use people like us, ordinary, regular people, to do incredible things for your glory. And we know that starts with surrendering our lives to you. So, God, I pray that if there's anybody in here who is holding things back, that today would be the day that they maybe even meet you for the first time and surrender their lives to you. But Lord, for for many like me, this message is a convicting message because we recognize we tend to spend so much of our life gathering blessings and hoarding the blessings of God instead of using everything you've given us for your glory. God, I want to be so on fire for you that every single part of my life, my house, my family, my free time, God, all these things that we tend to hold to, Lord, we want to be open. We want to give you a blank check and say, Lord, whatever it is you want from us, we're in. So, Lord, I pray that you would use us to fulfill this mission you've given us to reach, teach, live, and love like you. Church family, can I invite you to stand right now in an attitude of prayer and worship? We're going to sing a song. We're going to praise the God of all creation because he's worthy to be praised. The God of all creation who has enlisted us in his glorious mission. So let's worship him. Let's also commit in this time to be his people living for his glory, using all of his blessings to advance his kingdom's cause.